I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Hi, and welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, featuring our interview with playwright David Yi. David Yi is a playwright, actor, and the artistic director of Fujian Asian Canadian Theatre Company. His plays include Paper Series, Lady in the Red Dress, and the Governor General Award-winning show about the 2004 tsunami, Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave. Chris talked to David, who is isolating at home after his play was disrupted at the Arts Club in Vancouver. David talked about how late-night calls from a friend caught up in the tsunami inspired him to write about the tragedy, why he likes to pen epic shows that won't fit on small stages, and what it feels like to win one of Canada's most prestigious literary awards. This is my interview with David Yee. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we go too far, I just wanted to acknowledge that it is the age of social distancing, and we're all recording this remotely in our own respective houses. Uh, David Yee is at his house, and I'm in my basement hiding from my children in the podcast factory. And we're just trying to put the show together as best as we can under these circumstances. And David, I just want to start by saying I know it's impossible to compare global disasters. It is foolish to even try. But it's not lost on me that here we are today talking about a play that takes place in 2004 during the tsunami while we are ourselves in the middle of a global crisis. And before we start to talk about carried away on a crest of a wave, David, how are you doing under these circumstances? How are you able to work and write? Um, with uh, with increasing difficulty. It is it is sort of a, a weird time um, where I just had a virtual uh, workshop and a virtual first read of a new play uh, with Factory Theatre, um, which was uh, which is sort of strange to do because for a first reading uh you know a premiere of, an, of a new work in front of an audience you're used to uh gauging audience reaction and seeing how people um you know respond to things and how things are, are landing on them and uh and you just can't so you just got this you know list of 300 some odd names and uh, and the list the list gets gets longer and the list gets shorter um as as time goes by uh and so you're just sort of gauging reaction based on how many people leave the room um is is maybe the new thing that we do i don't know hmm. uh do, do you think this is going to have a long lasting impact on the performing arts and how we deliver shows um i think in in some aspects yes 
there's there's some aspects of the business that uh, that I think are going to change uh, for the better, and those changes are going to be lasting. Um, but I think fundamentally, we're still working in a business that is about um, about coming together as as people and humans, and um, I think that that social uh, communion is is still going to be a very large part of the work. But yeah, I think there's, uh, I, I think for, for one thing, nobody's going to, after this whole thing is done, we're allowed out of our houses, nobody's going to want to use Zoom for at least a year. So all the stuff that we're doing is like, oh, we can, you know, Zoom Zoom will be great for, for this and that and, you know, all the, the things that we're creating it for. Uh, the moment that we can leave... <laughs> Nobody's going to want to interact that way. That's hilarious. Zoom stocks just plummet as soon as we're yes, past yeah, yeah. Uh, Writers are almost self-isolators by definition. So I'm wondering, uh, has this been an opportunity for you to write more? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd, I'd like to joke that I've been practicing for this my whole life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, you know, for, for my my personal practice and um some would say my uh my whole disposition um this is not super different for me (laughs) (laughs) i'd love to talk about carried away on a crest of a wave in great detail very soon but first can you just give us just a summary of what the play is about um i've never been great at elevator pitches Uh, let me try Uh, (laughs) it is i mean it's uh it's an anthological play uh, about the ripples of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, um, the lives that it's uh, touched, brought together, and destroyed. That's a pretty good summary, actually. I, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I think I, there's, it, I have a bit of an easier time with, with it than... Um, there's another anthological play that I've got called Paper Series, and I've never been able to figure out exactly how to describe it, except it's like, it's six short plays about paper, which I promise is more interesting than it sounds. And when that <laughs> has to be the caveat of your marketing pitch, it's not a good marketing pitch. <laughs> I, I, I want to go much more in depth with Carried Away, but before we do, I'd love to just find out a little bit about, more about you and, and your career and just really go back to the beginning. Uh, you started as an actor. How and why did you move into playwriting? <laughs> um, I, I think the way that a lot of uh, writers do, I think especially a lot of writers of color, um, is that we, uh, we we come into this um, almost by necessity. Uh, so yeah, I, I, so I trained as an actor uh, in you know one of the conservatory programs where uh, the number of uh, people of color um, in the program was quite limited. I think that in all four years of the program, there were three or four of us. Um, and so the parts that I, you know, was allowed to play, which is a, um, a situation that a lot of us found ourselves in back then, um, were limited to a pretty uh, small background rules because we weren't allowed to be related to anybody else in the plane because everybody else was, uh, was, was not the same ethnicity as us. Um, we weren't really allowed to have any sort of power um, because that, you know, would go against <laughs> our uh, understanding of the world. Um, and so I believe, you know, a lot of notaries, a lot of stable boys, a lot of uh, people of no consequence. And writing had become a uh, 
I don't know if there's a better way to say coping mechanism, <laughs> but a coping mechanism. It's, uh, it, it became how I uh, would need to filter the world in order to understand it. And when I needed to do more as an actor, when I, when I felt that I, I wasn't getting enough out of the education that I was paying for, um, I decided to create my own work and work that would uh, help out the other you know, three or four uh, Asian Canadians who were in my program. That frustration seems to be quite universal and quite common. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, and I think that you'll get you'll you'll get a very similar story from um, a lot of a lot of people from from my generation, even even past, who uh, uh, who who took to writing through um, just a I guess a, a disinclination to be underused. Sorry, I was just kind of like distracted by something. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> One of my kids is going to show up and jump on my lap at some point. So it's, we had, we it's had the, the, the reading at a at factory yesterday at the very end, one of the Kevin Hanshard's kids kind of wandered into the room and started <laughs> as a daddy, can I do this? Um, <laughs> one of the things that we heard the most and that had the most impact on me as a creator was that uh, artistic directors uh, kept telling us that Asian Canadian stories weren't big enough for the main stage um, because all of our work had uh, tended to be relegated into studios and uh, smaller houses and the reason that we were given is that our stories weren't big enough um, and so when I started to write Carried Away uh, one of the um, the the goals behind it was this is going to be something that you won't be able to fit into a studio like that no one yeah. will be able to tell me that this is a studio show yes. um yeah and that wasn't you know yeah. it was and that was for uh <laughs> that was that was that was to to, to correct a number of historical wrongs <laughs> um you know, it's funny that you say that. E even when today, when you plug in Canadian playwrights into Google, uh, it comes up with a whole bunch about thirty headshots and a list of thirty Canadians, and maybe two of them are writers of color. Okay, um, uh, am I, I am I one of them? Uh, I can't remember. I will check. <laughs> I feel like I can um, guess who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm wondering, just from your perspective, do you feel there's been any progress? Do you think there's been change over time? Uh, anything for, for, for us to uh, see any sort of lasting change, um, we're going to need to keep fostering uh, new voices and uh, stories by uh, people who have who, and come from subjectivities that we're not familiar or comfortable with. And I think that we have to like engage in our our discomfort more as Canadians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm talking to the Governor General award-winning playwright, David Yee. We'll return in just a moment to talk about his play, Carried Away on a Crest of a Wave. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. 
don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I'm, I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. David, the 2004 tsunami was, for our generation, literally a a seismic event. I think it's one of those moments where everyone can remember where they were. Can you tell me a bit about where you were and what was happening when you first heard the news? Right. Um, I was I was driving when I heard about it. I was in uh, very northern Ontario, um, and uh, I heard about it when I pulled into a gas station behind uh, somebody who I was I was following because they were uh, they had a bigger car than I did, and if uh, anybody was going to hit a moose, I wanted it to be them. Um, uh, not personally, just I just didn't want it to be me. Um, and uh, so we we had both stopped and we were waiting for the uh, the the gas station to switch their pot of coffee, um, and just sort of got to talking. And he asked me if I had heard about the tsunami, and I had been listening to you know CDs. Um, and so I I missed any you know radio broadcast for the last ten hours, um, and. But I also didn't have any cell service. So I think I had another uh, four or five hours uh, drive left when I was just going through this mental Rolodex of everybody who I knew in Southeast Asia um, <clears throat> who either lived there or had been traveling there for the holidays uh, and couldn't uh, drive fast enough to, to get to a point where I could try and contact them. Um, and see if they were okay. Um, and, you know, most of them were. Um, but I had a friend who was in uh, Kaolak at the time in Thailand, um, which was the the harder hit region than Phuket. I think we heard about Phuket a lot on the news because that's where a lot of Western tourists were. Um, Kaolak was almost completely destroyed. Um, and... Uh, I had a friend there who uh, did get out um, and she was airlifted to a hospital in Phuket. Uh, and so when I got back home, um, I would get these phone calls from her at about three in the morning because that was a time in Thailand that she had to use the phone and it was the, uh, I was the only person who she knew would be awake in Toronto. Um, and so we, I would get these, these calls from her uh, when she was doped up on some pretty groovy painkillers, because um, uh, her, her foot got cut, uh, cut up pretty bad, and um, she would just tell me what she was seeing and um, uh, what was going on around her and what her experience was in the search for um, the people in uh, in her life that were lost. Um, and I started just making very. Uh, very very basic notes on the phone calls because I knew that she wouldn't remember um, because of the painkillers um, and I didn't want to forget uh, and it was also I mean again it's just sort of how I how I sort through things um, is by just making sure that I that I write them down um, and so I had those those notes sort of lived with me wow it, it it was a quarter of a million people, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, all told. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I 
I have trouble even understanding a number that big. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's almost impossible to wrap your brain around it. And that's what I love about Carried Away on a Crest of a Wave is it takes this big number and it distills it down to very personal stories. Yeah. Stories we can all relate to and understand. Was there a moment when you said, okay, this is an event that has to be told? There were several, right? Because this is a, a, a thing that, uh, that affected the, uh, the community so vastly. Um, but I also sort of weirdly had a bunch of personal connections to um, that I would hear stories from, you know, uh, that I, I wasn't separated uh, by from, from too many degrees of separation. Um, there were people who, uh, who I knew tangentially who, uh, who had been there. I would start talking about it uh, randomly at parties and somebody would tell me a story about a family member. And it was just, it was, uh, it was something that, that seemed to be following me around. Um, and I think I was having trouble with that 250,000 number as well. Like I was, I, I had a difficulty processing, um, that great of, of a human toll, um, for anything. Um, and I think part of the process of trying to reconcile it, uh, was going into those individual stories and trying to, um, trying to make sense of things that way. While we were recording the piece, the actors kept commenting on how during the rehearsal process, they would find all these little, little things that would connect one story to another and little moments that were connecting everything. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the interconnectivity of all these different stories. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of them. I there, um, Somebody... Who's, uh, who'd read the play, um, contacted me on, on Facebook uh, and sent me uh, like a map that they had created uh, that had all of the all of the stories and then lines drawn between them. Uh, and I think she, she, she wrote and said that, you know, I, I've now read the play seven times. I think I've got everything. Can you, can you tell me if I missed anything? Like it was some sort of test. Um, yeah. And and I, I I love that about people, um, and I think it's what we do as people is we we look for we look for connection we look for signs, um, we look for for ways that uh, tell us that you know one moment is connected to the, to the next, um, and that we search for for meaning that way. Have you had survivors or family members of survivors reach out to you? Um, a few, yeah. I mean, my uh, my 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 friend who who had been calling me uh, and her brother um, were uh, were at the opening, and I think that was like when it first opened at, at Tarragon. I think that was one of the most harrowing sort of moments for for me was kind of like walking through the lobby and seeing them and and being like, did I do okay? Uh, and getting you know, getting their, their blessing on it, um, mm-hmm. was very, 
very important, but also terribly stressful. With Carried Away, you're exploring lives and the deaths of uh, a lot of people. When you're writing about subject matter like that, do you feel a, a sense of responsibility towards the characters and a sense of responsibility in telling the story? I think it is a <laughs> it's, it's an interesting place to go. Um, because, yeah, I mean, like, I, I was absolutely acutely aware of um, of all the the lives that it touched, and the I, w- I was aware that what I what I was doing um, would have to be a compassionate response. I mean, it was never not going to be a compassionate response. It wasn't going to be a you know a, a satire or something. It wasn't going to use the event to forward any sort of agenda. It was it was just it was going to be you know, in, in the memory of people who woke up on a regular day, um, just to find, uh, everything coming at them in, a, in a way that, that nobody expected could even happen. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the best way of saying it, but, um, yes, I was, uh, I was aware that, there were lives that I, or there were there were memories that I was responsible for. Um, everything was was told as honestly as possible, um, and with the uh, with the best intentions. Yeah, I don't know. If that's a good answer, man. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's if it's if it comes from a very genuine place, that's going to end up on the paper, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. and that's I mean I mean and that's true of anything, right? Like anything that anybody writes has to come from a true place. That's yeah. that's what the most compelling theater is. We obviously love this piece. That's why we programmed it into our our series. But we're not alone. Uh, It's received incredible amount of recognition, including the Governor General's Literary Award. And that is probably the greatest achievement any writer could aspire to. And I'm just curious, what what does that mean, winning an award like that? And also just how, how do you find out about an award? Do they give you a call? Do you get an email? Yeah, it's. It was, I, I missed a call. For, uh, you know, I, was, I was in the middle of doing something else. I was uh, mid-rehearsal for another project. Um, and I was getting ready to to go to rehearsals and I, I missed a call from the uh the Canada Council who are the people who notify you and um uh, I called them back and <clears throat> um went out on on my balcony to have a cigarette and uh and when I got through to the person who'd left me a message she she said you know you've you won the governor general's award and uh and I just said this better not be a joke um and she very dryly responded we wouldn't joke about this (laughs) i'm like oh okay this is this is happening um but then like you find out and you can't you you know you 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 can't tell anybody and um until until they announce it and then you can but you don't really have to because they've announced it and then everybody just sort of comes to you um 
and I, I hadn't said it I hadn't said it out loud yet like I hadn't I hadn't told anybody yeah. and then um and so I think the day that the news was announced I was like oh I gotta or maybe it was the day before um I uh I, I knew I needed, I didn't have any nice clothes. So I, I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll finally be able to to afford, you know, like a, like a nice suit. And so I went to a tailor and um, and I was just kind of getting measurements done and and looking at, you know, some some nicer suits than I could have afforded prior. And uh, and the tailor is just like, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, gregarious old guy. Uh, I was like, oh, what is what is this for? Are you you know going to uh, going to a wedding, and and he, he looked at me sort of expectantly, and I, I I didn't know what to say. I was kind of at the cusp <laughs> of not being able to say anything, and so I uh, I was I was I just sort of you know sputtered for uh, for a couple of seconds, and then I I looked at him and for the first time I said I I think I've just won the Governor General's Literary Award, and he looks at me and goes, you, you think? <laughs> I said, no, no, I did. I did. <laughs> and he goes, wow, congratulations. And like the first, you know, the first person who I've told is a tailor. Uh, <laughs> which is either, you know, really, uh, I think it's just really sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And it's, uh, it's also great, too, because I... You know, I think playwrights work so hard solo for so long, and then to get uh, some recognition is uh, well deserved and and probably uh, somewhat rare. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how I got away with it. I think it was a clerical error, still, but I'm not. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. It. I'm not gonna open an investigation or anything. <laughs> I feel like I'm not giving it back. <laughs> On a. On a bit more somber note, this is part of our Show Must Go On series, which features shows that have been cancelled due to the COVID-19 crisis. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, production of Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave was cancelled? It was cancelled in Tech Week. Oh, like, it was Jesus. it was cancelled yeah. with, like, the, the last thing that they were going to do when they knew that the that it wasn't going to uh, go on, they were the the theater wanted to uh, have the invited dress for everybody that worked in the building as like this is the last like this is going to be our last wow. day of work. Yeah, <laughs> and they couldn't even do that. Yeah. Oh they got, man, they got the they got the directive the day before that you know you can't yeah. have you know gatherings more than X number of people, so they had to quit it. But it was it was right up to the wire. That's they were all rehearsed everything they got they have the photos yeah done. and um yeah it's all uh, i don't know maybe not all for not but uh, nobody yeah just, nobody so... knows what their seasons look like anymore yeah well david thank you so much for sharing this piece with our audience and i hope everybody gets a chance to listen to the piece on the podcast but also when the this is all over and theaters reopen People will go out and see this production live. Thank you very much, David. I'm I'm very grateful that that you that you guys uh, would 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 entertain the idea of it. That was Chris's interview with playwright David Yee. To listen to Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave, subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts or the new CBC Listen app. And while you're there, please consider rating and reviewing us. You can let us know what you think of our podcast by emailing us 
at playme at cbc.ca. You can find us on Instagram at at playmepodcast and on Twitter at at expecttheatre. We'll be back next week with a provocative and engaging solo show, Take the Milk Na, by Jiv Parasram. But until then, be sure to check out our entire collection of plays turned audio dramas available on the Play Me feed. Stay well. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The Senior Director of Audio Innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me's Associate Producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expect Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.